0: Two home games this week and four points to show for it. We'll start with the win over Newport. John Merrick was gutted he wasn't there as it sounded like a big one. Pete was happy with the performance, saying we dominated all of the second half and 25 minutes of the first with this formation. Jonathan Ditt doesn't know where that 25 minutes came from after halftime. That's normally our worst period. Add in, Cooney, Dimitrio and Rio were all excellent. Robert thought it was a game of two halves. Encouraging, but still things to work on. Keith thinks this season has seen better second halves than firsts, and there's plenty to be positive about. Trev Griffiths agreeing, first half was difficult, second was excellent. Kev O'Connell thought that performance has been brewing for a while. Tabs look quality, Rio is full of confidence and long remains a menace. Adam Turner thought Newport pressed well initially, But Crew took over the game in the second half, adding Jack Powell was his man of the match. Henry Lewis was very impressed with the attitude throughout the second half, adding Zach, Rio and Cooney all had great games. He thinks Shiloh is frustrating but causing problems. Max Bailey was impressed with his first game of the season, adding Mickey and Cooney were quality at the back. Brad Budden is shocked at the amount of set-piece goals and is pleased with Rio turning into a wide midfielder. Steve Day had plenty of positives but adds he's concerned that O'Riordan can't develop on the bench and isn't certain Davis is better than Booth. Elliot Nevitt got quite a few comments. Mason was pleased for Nev bagging that goal. H. Robinson was worried it might never happen after the keeper saved the one a couple of minutes earlier. Rob Murray said it was a great result but the best bit was seeing Nev get his goal. Tom Mail, I was there the night Nevitt scored. James said he has given Never a lot of stick, but he played well, especially his link up play, and he's glad he scored. He also adds that the Gresty Road end were fantastic on Tuesday night and deserves some credit. Ben Benson thought no one really stood out. It was just a good team performance. He adds lots of teams are beating each other. So if one team can put a run together, an All Stage Cricket Club got in touch to ask if it was still Bell out. On to Saturday and the late draw against Warsaw. Andy said the people in Weatherspoon did not appreciate how loudly he celebrated that equaliser. Nick Dowson thought we were very lucky to get a point and also wants to see Davis release the ball quicker rather than allow the opposition time to get back. Scott Naylor thought Warsaw were the worst we've seen this season and we must impose ourselves better. Still unbeaten, which is a positive, but a draw against a team we should be beating. HDSN says unbeaten, but still not good at the back. It'd be nice to score two late goals and not draw a game. Mark Bertels thought it was the poorest half of the season, but the spirit in the players epitomised Bell as a player. Inside the ground, it feels like we're all in it together. Joe thought we looked leggy, but salvaged a point at Fortress Serial Bowl. Chris Thompson thinks you can't fault the spirit or the way they are trying to play. The execution does leave something to be desired, however. Stephen thinks there have been defensive errors in every game this season and wants to see Mickey and Connor as centre-halves, with Offord in at centre-mid. Jake thought the keeper was at fault for the goal again. Richard Sandland would have bitten your hand off at half-time for a draw and was always confident that once Nevitt got his first, he'd go on a spree. Steve Bennett thinks to get a result after that can only bode well for the future. Jay Hodson thinks these comeback draws will only be good if the next result is a win. A loss makes our start look much more dismal. Andy Griffiths thinks squad depth is an issue and hopes there's room in the budget for a defensive midfielder and an attacker coming in on loan. Something Gresty Road Ender agrees with. The board needs to back the manager who says he needs a couple in because the bench is a worry. Richard Mayhew took his lad for the first time and was glad that they stayed. He was jumping at the end. (laughs) Bomb, 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 dang bomb,
1: bomb,
2: bomb, 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 bomb,
0: Hello and welcome back to the Railway Men podcast. I am delighted to be back for my first appearance of the season. Special thanks to Steve for once again holding the fort so admirably whilst I was away. Uh, I have three panellists this week and they're all making their first appearances of the season two. Firstly, Tim Robinson. Hello, Tim.
3: Hi, Stu. Welcome back. Uh, hope you had a good time on your travels. Thank you very much. Uh,
0: secondly, Aaron Lewis. Hello, Aaron. Hi, thanks for having me back on. for new season. And finally, Tom Bailey. Hello, Tom.
1: Hi, SG. Thanks for having me again.
0: No problem. So before we start, guys, I thought we're two weeks into the season, two league games, a cup game. Uh, Would you guys have taken, because it's the first time any of you have sort of given your thoughts on the pod, would you have taken two points and a penalty win at Sunderland if you were offered that before we started those games? Tim, I'll start with you.
3: Yeah, I I probably would have done, to be honest, yeah. Yeah. I'd have probably have settled for sort of three draws and going through in the cup. Um, certainly, I think the cup win was probably the biggest surprise of the lot. Um, yeah, really didn't expect us to get anything off from that when I saw the draw. So yeah, I am pleasantly surprised.
0: Aaron, is that a fair assessment on the season so far? Uh, before this week, uh, you know the draws at Swindon and at home to Mansfield, and then a
4: cup win, two points, two games. Yeah, I think so. Um, it's it- it's an odd one because, like you say, before the you know, if you think of it as like looking at it when the fixtures come out, I think possibly you'd say, Oh, we might win one of them and lose one of them and end up with three points, but it's splitting hairs, really. And like Tim said, absolutely didn't expect to get anything out of the cup game, so definite added bonus there. All right, Tim, I'm going to come back to you because, uh, at the start of this season,
0: you did your pre season predictions again, like last year. Uh, you had Newport in 23rd. So, going into the home fixture on Tuesday night, you must have been pretty confident that we would get that first win of the season.
3: Well, I would have been until the start of the season that that they had. Um, I think they'd beaten Doncaster in the league 3-0 before they played us, or 4-0. Um, and I think they'd beaten Charlton in the League Cup 3-1. So, um I was starting to already revise my opinions of Newport. And from what I'd heard, they they were absolute press monsters. Um, And they're the sort of teams that we generally don't do pretty well against. So I actually went into the Newport game thinking it was going to be a pretty tricky affair. And to be honest, the way the first half panned out, I hadn't seen anything that, that made me change my mind.
0: Tom, as crew fans, uh, it's pretty normal for us to expect and actually see ex-players to score against us. Um, it felt like Newport were feeling the same. And, you know, eight minutes in, it happens, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, uh, as I said, this, you know, it, I I was confident going into this game, um, but you're just always trepidatious, aren't you, really? And, and, yeah, we had a free kick on the right-hand side. Powell whips one in. Their keeper makes a mess of it, um, and uh, Mickey Dimitri bundles it in, and it's a it's a really good start for us, isn't it?
0: Aaron, um, again, it is my first time on the pod this season, but I have a feeling that people are going to get pretty sick and tired of me talking about how good I think Jack Powell's delivery is. Uh, as Tom just said, there it was another great ball in for that cross that caused the goal.
4: Yeah, yeah, he's got, uh, he's definitely got, um, sort of fantastic. I think he can pick a pass probably almost like one of the best players we've had for a couple of years now anyway. Um, And he's shown that a few times. He's also got, um, I think he's got a really sort of clever on the ball ability as well. Um, We've seen it again a few times where he'll just sort of walk past players in a sort of way that, again, just feels like we haven't seen in a little while. So I'm very happy with the start that he's made so far.
0: That lead lasted about 12 minutes or so. And Tim, I have a feeling you... You and I are going to disagree about the goalkeeper later on in the podcast, uh, but I don't think that many people would disagree that that was an awful decision to let that Newport goal stand. I, I don't know what he thought he saw, what he didn't see, but it shouldn't have stood, should it?
3: No, I mean, I come at this from a position where I feel that goalkeepers are probably a little bit overprotected. Well, um, there's no getting away, there's no getting around it. That was a foul. You know, the fella jumped straight into Davis before the ball's anywhere near. You know, if you if you freeze the the footage, he's collided with Davis and knocked him it sideways, and the ball's still, you know, 12 feet up in the air. Uh, absolutely obvious foul. It looked a foul live. Um, it looks even more of a foul when I look at the replay. And um, to be honest, it felt like he was evening it up. Um he'd missed a blatant penalty shout for them. I think it was Cooney took out um, Aaron Wildig after about four minutes. Um, and, and to be honest, it could have changed the game. It could have been a penalty and a card, possibly. Um, it that, that looked like absolutely stonewall. And he just felt like he was evening things up. I think he he realised he'd he ma- he'd made a, a blunder by not giving that early penalty. And I just felt like he was evening it up because it was such an obvious foul. And... Um, yeah, absolutely no blame attached to the keeper for that one. He just gets he just gets body checked.
4: Yeah, I was going to say I I fully uh, agree with Tim on that one. It's um it was it was not one in the ground, you know. Uh, there was a few people around me sort of saying, "No, maybe the keeper could be stronger there." I didn't agree with that at the time, and then I've watched it back again on the highlights, and like Tim said, it's just it's one of them that if you saw it two midfielders going up for a header or something like that, it would be given as a foul because He's, he's although oh although he has actually got the ball, he's not really made any attempt to get the ball. He's just barreled straight into the player, in, straight into the keeper. So, and again, it does seem that I agree with Tim that you know usually keepers I feel like are overprotected, and the fact that that wasn't then given it baffling really. But like I say, maybe it was like a evening up because that that did look like a penalty that they should have been given. So
0: yeah, lots of nods uh, on the people on this call agreeing with that. So Tom, I'm going to assume. You agree with that. And, you know, it's not really the goalkeeper. You can't really blame the defenders for not protecting him. It's just one that I think most people would just expect to see freak kick no, at the end of the game.
1: Yeah, I agree completely. It's it, it was not one in that I think they swung the ball in. I think Mickey got a foot to it, kind of looped up. And if you're being incredibly harsh on Davis, which I think would be incredibly harsh, he maybe looks a little hesitant, but I think he's just tracking the flight of the ball and getting ready to jump as, as the guy comes across him. And I agree with the other two completely. He, he's there ready to make his leap and he, he just gets taken out basically and it, and it loops into the net. So yeah, completely agree.
0: Okay, so we get to half time. It's 1-1. Obviously didn't see the Sunderland game. That wasn't televised. So I've not got a great um, depth to choose from here. But uh, Aaron, I would say that was the best first half of the season so far. But again, we're only talking about three but uh it's just nice not to have gone in with two
4: goals conceded. Yeah, I was going to say that's the uh damning with faint praise I suppose a little bit because um I, I again I didn't see the didn't go to Sunderland but um we've we've not got out of the blocks very well uh this season in in almost all the games pretty much but uh but yeah it did feel like you know we, we had a, f- a foothold in this one. Um we weren't outplayed at all particularly, I don't think. And so yeah, yeah, it was it was definitely the, the best first half, at least I've seen anyway.
3: Having said that though, I I did think it was a very poor performance. I thought we were giving the ball away in the first half far too much. Um you know basically passing it straight to the guys who were trying to press us. Um I thought Powell Tabaner and Tracy were all about 20 yards too deep. In that first half, and I think the other thing is, up until the Newport game, we'd been playing four, two, one, three, right, and this was the first time we'd we'd actually gone to a three, at the, other than Sunderland in the cup. This was the first time we'd used um, three at the back as our sort of plan A, um, and it it just seemed like we weren't really kind of sure who was supposed to be playing where exactly and who was supposed to track which runner. Um, so I mean, even though you're right, compared to the other first half performances where we've generally been two down, it was um at least that hadn't happened. But I d- I didn't really think it was a very good performance first half.
0: Okay, I'll stick with you then, Tim, because um I had lots of comments um when we asked for reactions after the game about how good the first twenty five minutes of the second half was. So if you weren't impressed with the first half, what about the second half, or at least the start of the second half?
3: Yeah, I mean. I thought we played better in the second half. I thought um, I thought Tracy was further forward. I thought Powell and Tamina were further forward, and we were we were stretching them a bit more, um, and and turning them round a bit more. I, I have to say I thought that one of the things that really changed the game, other, other than the second goal, which you know that always changes games and came at the perfect time for us, was I just I just thought they seemed to run out of energy a bit. I thought that the intensity of their game, um. Eased off, or, or they ran out of legs a little bit, and I think you know our our second goal came at the perfect time, and you know we were just able to take advantage of that sort of um, reduced intensity from them, and I guess that's that's the thing, you know, we're, we're playing a lot of games at the moment, two games a week for the last two weeks, and they're longer games than we're used to generally. We're playing one hundred and ten minutes, or 100, 100 to one hundred and ten minutes, depending on the amount of injury time instead of ninety. Um, so the teams that do play play this sort of you know, very high intensity game. It's understandable that they're not going to be able to do it for the whole game. But yeah, all, all that aside, as a kind of um, um, uh, yeah, I, I think I think we did we did play better in the second half. But the, the, the second goal came at a perfect time for us.
4: It's an interesting point you you bring up there about um, you know them sort of running out of steam because I think I noticed it a little bit as well, and it was something. I think I was expecting from Mansfield in the first game because they were another team that were very energetic in the first half and really like like put us to the sword almost. And then I think that the, the sending off in that game kind of changed it because they then reassessed their priorities a little bit and and sort of were less intense, I guess. So it was interesting then to see it actually happen against Newport where they they did seem to run out of steam a little bit. Um, yeah, so I, I do agree on that one.
1: Yeah, I think it's a fact to you that obviously playing Saturday, Tuesday as well, you know, it, it's going to be harder. Um, and I think it was always going to happen. We needed to ride out that press. As I said, we'd heard beforehand from from the opposition last week on on the podcast, um, opposition fans, sorry, that, that that's the way they wanted to play. So I was wary of that going into that first half. But yeah, we rode it out well and they they definitely started to blow up a bit more in the in the second half and we took advantage.
0: Okay, yeah, Tom, I'll stick with you then. So 12 minutes into that second half. Dimitriou, again, with the goal to restore the lead. Um, you'd think from the team that he used to play for and seeing that he'd already scored a couple this season, they'd at least attempt to mark him. But he seemed to be in quite a lot of space in what was quite a congested penalty box to me, watching from the tie. I don't know if that was the same to everyone else.
1: Yeah, yeah, he seemed completely free to me. And it was it was similar with the first goal, you know, they just didn't deal with that ball into the box at all. And um, yeah, as you say, being a former player there, you know, it's not like he was only there for a season, he was there for a long time. They know what a threat he is. Um, But yes, very thankful he's on our side rather than theirs now.
3: It was a clever bit of movement, actually, because I think most people made a sort of out to win run and he sort of did the opposite and kind of started almost on the goal line and then kind of ran out. And, and that's, I think, how he found himself a little bit of space. With a lovely little finish as well. What was really good watching the um, the highlights of that is seeing the Gresty Road jumping up and down as the uh, as the free kicks taken and and, and also you know the, the winning the free kick Tracy um, what a what a great bit of ability that was and I think that that sort of illustrated how much more he was coming into the game you know and how much more he was stretching them from that number ten role and getting beyond Long and never. Um and yeah from from where I was I actually thought that was a penalty but you can you can see clearly that it's that it is outside
1: the box on the uh, on the highlights, and that's a fair fair point to, to pick out Tracy there for the work for the free kick because I, I found him quite frustrating before that that point. He he looked like you know whenever he had space he he would be running into the space and then making not quite the right decision until that point exactly. He ran down that wing, you know went to cut back and got got taken out and yeah it was a lovely bit of play.
3: I think it's worth pointing out as well that playing as a number 10 is probably a new, very new role for him. I think he's yeah. he's always played as a wide man in his career. So, um, it, you know, it's probably understandable that it took him a little bit of time to get into the game. It's a funny one with uh, with Mickey D, particularly, like I say, because we've had
4: three goals from him now um, that have all come from sort of set-piece, effectively, you know, moments like that where, where he's in the box and he looks like he can... Not particularly with that goal, but he looks like he can work space for himself quite well, um, almost like a striker's instinct there. So it comes to sort of reason then that we've we've seen it a few times where he's got these uh, this long throw that this new weapon to our arsenal this season. Um, but it's just a shame that he can't also be on the end of the long throws the, in the box because it looks like he's the most effective player we have there. So um, yeah, we just need to just need to get two Mickey D's. I
3: think that's or maybe put Connor Reardon on the pitch. Like, well, we, yeah. We've actually yeah. got the um the highest xG from set pieces this season in in League Two, which is I, I think that must be a first in my entire time of watching crew. And obviously it's early days, but you think with Taberner and um, Powell whipping in free kicks, and then Mickey D putting in long throws, and you know if we ever get Conroe Raiden and Baker Richardson on the pitch at the same time, that we'll actually have quite a uh, quite a good threat.
0: And uh, Let's not forget Rio, the uh, the goal machine that is Rio <laughs> Um Aaron, I'll stick with you. Uh, Rod McDonald, all but forgotten now with Mickey, uh, at the start that he's made.
4: Is it? Yeah, pretty much. Um, it's one of them hard to hard to believe a little bit, and especially you know, it kind of ha- it kind of helps a little bit because I think McDonald got a head injury in their first game, he went off after about an hour and hasn't been seen since. So um, so. Yeah, it's it's been a it's been a funny one to have the player of the season lost, and then we've effectively almost upgraded. It feels like.
1: I I completely agree. I was devastated when when Rod left because you know he arrived to very little fanfare last summer and was was outstanding. You know he was he was very very good. He leaves. You think that leaves a massive hole, and as you say, it at this point it does feel like an upgrade. You know, Dimitri. It's just he's so solid at the back, so calm he's a real leader and as as we've pointed out he he's adding goals as well um massive signing for us i think absolutely massive
0: tim so Krugo two one up with that second goal um the obvious thought is well newport are going to equalize it's going to end 2-2 two, two, because that's what happens this season but uh we didn't need to worry because 9 minutes later we got a penalty and again the referee definitely got the one wrong in the first half i think he definitely got that one right
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely nailed on, yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, we, we talked about how the improved performance second half, once that second goal went in, this this period, this, this half hour from that second goal, we absolutely battered them. I mean, I think the second half was probably the the best sustained period of attacking football we've had under Lee Bell as a manager. We really looked like we were going to score pretty much every time we went forward. The front three absolutely ripped them to pieces. Um but yeah, this this was a this was a really good run from from Taverner. Um He picked it up quite deep, ra- ran down the right, um, and put a nice little ball. I guess kind of into into an area rather than, than to someone. Um, just you know a, a kind of s- a slow ball into a gap in in the middle of the box, and, Lo- and long picked it up and tried to get a, a shot off that was blocked, and Nevitt was on hand, um, and I think this is Nevitt's, Real quality, you know, kind of um, picking up the pieces from a, from a sort of partner striker. Absolutely no coincidence, I think, that never's come into his own since we've moved to a front two rather than trying to use him as a lone front man. Um, And, yeah, Nevert picks up the pieces. And um, there's a lunge from um, a defender, and he, he, it just takes him out. It's an absolutely stonewall penalty. Yeah, 100% nailed on.
4: It, it was a bizarre one for me because we're, what, I don't know, I'm not sure how exactly long it was between our second goal and our third goal but it, both bits look like absolutely suicidal defending the, the, the both of them they've just lunged in at a player now first one granted you know you're outside of the box there so you kind of well you don't get away with it because we score from the free kick so but then to do almost the exact same thing in the box was just absolutely bizarre uh, I didn't didn't understand the thinking behind that and uh, rightfully like I say the, the penalty was
1: awarded and
0: Tom are you happy with Dan replacement on penalties it looks like Chris Long is the man is that a good decision for you
1: yeah i mean so far so good isn't it uh, he certainly looks confident and that's that's good enough for me i mean as as great as dan was at taking penalties last season i always hated watching them with with his run up style clearly effective as it was it was uh, it was horrible to watch before the the ball hit the back of the net so to have a, a slightly more traditional taker uh, and yeah, i mean he smashes this one down the middle of the net and, and there's Keeper's got no chance um so yeah yeah I, th- I think so far so good as i say
0: i'd agree with that i think Dan Ajay, the anxiety was definitely there when he was taking the penalty but i'm also quite anxious when i see chris long take penalties because all he's doing is smashing it down the middle and mm-hmm. it only takes one goalkeeper to sort of do his research to realize if i stand here it's probably going to hit me or i've just got to move slightly to save it Um uh, but you know can't complain he scored that one on tuesday night yeah, absolutely. The problem yeah. Is he, he
3: hits him so hard that he, there's a danger of uh, the keeper getting taken into the net with the ball. <laughs> uh,
0: having seen the penalties against Sunderland, I'd be more than happy for Ryan Cooney to take on the Danajai role of chief shithouser uh, for <laughs> away penalties, I think. That was a thing of beauty, wasn't it? Okay. Um, now, Tim's just spoken about Elliot Nevett. Um, we'll come on to what has been a long awaited goal in a second. But first I thought I'd read out some uh WhatsApps that I sent during the Tuesday night game. With four minutes gone, I wrote, I see that the we must start better talk has worked well with my rolling eyes emoji. That was in reference to Newport should have had a penalty. Three minutes later, crew scored, to take the lead. So uh the start was quite good. Uh, 18 minutes gone, Alex Arani wrote, Why is Zach trying drag backs eight yards in front of his own goal? To which I replied, HMS pissed the league. Three minutes later, <laughs> Newport equalized. Uh, 69 minutes after Elliot Nevett missed his one on one, I wrote, He's effing useless, he's never gonna score. Aaron, <laughs> what happened on the
4: 71st minute? Um, oh, it was funny that you sent that message through because I'd literally turned to my dad and said the exact same words, He is never gonna score. Um, all of a sudden, you know, he, he's picking the ball up. He's he's got a marauding run coming down the left. Looks like the defender's showing him outside a little bit. So he, you can see Chris Long in the middle. I was just praying that he was going to square it and play him in. Um, uh, but Elliot Nevitt is having absolutely none of it. He's he's a man with one thing on his mind. Kind of jinks inside a little bit and and puts it past the keeper. I thought it was a really well taken goal. And it looked like we were finally getting the player that, well, the player that played against us for Tranmere last season in the away game, where he he looked like a world beater.
1: He, he did really well, actually, on the halfway line, didn't he, to hold off the challenge. It was quite a robust challenge, and he and he kind of brought it forward. I think played it into Tracy and, and got a one-two. And as you say, Tracy's asking for it back. Long's begging for it in the middle. And just to see him cut inside and find the bottom corner was was fantastic. So I've never been... I don't know if I've ever been so pleased for a crew player to score, uh, and the the reaction from the rest of the players showed how much it meant to them as well, uh, which was lovely to see. Um, yeah, delighted for him to get off the mark. It was a lovely finish too.
3: We were exactly the same, Tom. We were just saying like, you know, never been so pleased that a crew player scored. You know, for the for the player themselves, hmm. um, and it, you know, he took like he took that goal like someone that's already scored six or seven goals this season. You know, absolutely brilliant goal.
4: As you say, he took it like a player who hadn't just missed right in front of the goalie, not five minutes earlier, basically.
1: Well, that that was the worry, wasn't it? The nature of that miss made you think, well, next chance, he's, his confidence is going to be at an all-time low. So for him, especially in those circumstances, to, to pick out that finish was fantastic.
0: Yeah, I think the, the reaction, as you just mentioned there, Tom, um, sums it up, you know, the players, they all ran over to him. I think I noticed Jack Powell was first, but I think that was because he was there closest but then all the players that were with him last year they all came up to celebrate they were all delighted the reaction that again the reactions I get when I ask for uh thoughts after the game almost all of them mentioned Elliot never getting his goal so I think yeah we're all hoping that that's going to kick on um uh, I'm sure we'll talk about how that happened on Saturday in about 10 minutes time or so but yeah really good and uh, yeah as my messages show it uh Football does make us all look like idiots, but I mean, I was on fire on Tuesday night with some of the things that I came up with. Uh, proving that once again, I'm the right man for this job. Um, Aaron, 4-1 up, coast into an easy victory. That's the crew way, isn't it? Uh, t- two, three minutes later or so, four minutes later rather, uh, it's 4-2. I didn't really think it was a massive worry, but it wasn't as uh, easy sailing as it could have been.
2: Um,
4: yeah. Bizarre it, it did feel very crude in it to to concede right after that sort of moment. Um uh, an odd one really as well because it was a nothing ball that was kind of seemed to have just be played down to this player. We felt like we could have uh, obviously he's not he's not tracked properly. Um and then I agree with pretty much everything we said on the first goal that that the keeper was blameless, but the fact that it was like flashed into his near post there from that angle. It felt very cheap. It felt like one that you should have got to. I think. Um, it was hit with some pace, granted, but I was a little bit disappointed on that one.
1: Yeah, you. Uh, it, it's a cliche, isn't it? But you expect to keep it to to save his near post from from that far out. Um, and as you say, it just seemed to come from pretty much nothing. It was a, you know, knocked it down the right, went in between the two defenders, and 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 smashed it home. And yeah, I think you know, I'm sure we'll talk more about Davis in in the next game. I I, I think some of the criticism from some fans so far has been a little bit harsh and again I think the point made in an earlier pod, we're comparing him possibly to two outstanding goalkeepers last year rather than the general standard of League 2 keepers um, and I think I've seen enough from him to think that he is going to be an asset if if, if he grows in confidence and, and, and learns from his mistakes um, but yeah I think maybe he'd be disappointed not to save that one
4: My only worry is does he become the asset just in time to return to Liverpool mm. and we never see the actual. We never reap the benefits of that, you know, learning process that he's been through, which I guess you can say uh, Arsenal and, and Brighton are probably going to do, or whoever ends up, you know, whoever they play, end up playing for those those players. But it's it's a funny one because maybe we are comparing to those two, and if you compare it to the likes of uh, you know players like Yaskalina and stuff like that that we've had in the past, you think maybe it's not quite as
3: bad as as it is as as it looks at least. I think the thing for me is um, I'm willing to give the, the finish some credit. I think it was a good finish. And I'm more concerned about the fact that a midfield was a midfield was able to run through our defence without being mm. tracked than the keeper got beaten with a decent finish at his near post. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I think Tom's right. He probably would look at himself afterwards and say, could I have done better? Yeah, maybe. Um, but the, the goal as a whole... I'm more concerned about the fact that he was able to run through unchallenged.
0: Okay, I do have a question about Harvey Davis, but I'm going to save it until we're talking about the Warsaw game, because I just want to finish with two questions for you on Newport, because we get to the game, it does finish 4-2. Now, Tim, you've already mentioned the Gresty Road end uh, for Dimitriou's second goal, Uh, but I got a lot of comments about the Gresty Road end on Tuesday night. Uh, It seemed loud on iFollow, you were there. I wasn't. Was it as loud as it seemed on telly in the ground, Tim?
3: Yeah, I mean, although I'm probably not in the best position where I sit to judge the the noise in the grassy road end because it kind of travels the other in the other direction. Um, but yeah, the, the the atmosphere as a whole was good. I thought the the grass the grassy road end was making some noise. You could see on the on the highlights they were jumping up and down. The the main stand was joining in. There was there was quite a lot of singing. You know, it certainly our end of the main stand. Um, yeah, I I don't really know why, other than the team was playing very well. And, you know, I think when the crowd have got something to to get behind and to believe in, that uh, we can make a lot of noise and we can give a lot of support.
0: Hey, right. last question is available for you all to answer. So jump in if you know the answer. Uh, there was one player on the pitch at full time. It's his only appearance so far this season. So therefore... He is the only crew player with a 100% win rate this season. Who is he? I'm
1: trying to think of coming at the end. Was, was it Griffiths?
0: It was Regan <laughs> Griffiths. There we go. So there's a little message for Lee Bell, I'm sure. Um, right. Before I start getting messages in about that, we'll move on to Saturday. Uh, a Warsaw side, who it sounds are pretty confident they do well this season, uh, listening to what they were saying beforehand, listening to the fan that was on last week. Aaron, it wasn't a surprise for me. I'm assuming it wasn't a surprise to you to see that we went with the
4: same 11 as the Newport game. Yeah, pretty much. I uh, saw so the team sheet come out and, you know, I changed something that's worked so well in the last game. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't surprised that, that even even though, like, say, Lee Bell does seem to prefer the 4 3 3 or the 4 2 1 3, we said. I can't remember what we said before, but um, yeah, he seems to prefer the, the four at the back formation. Um, but to to stick with that seemed like the most the most logical choice, especially on a on a short amount of rest. You know, second game in a week kind of thing. And um, Tom, it worked on Tuesday ahead after eight minutes. Um,
0: Saturday didn't quite go to plan.
1: No, um, generally they just weren't at all good in the first half. But but yes, four minutes in, Warsaw hook a, a long ball up. We let it bounce in the box and their guy essentially hooks a shot over his shoulder and Davis claws at it. And rather than putting it out for a corner, kind of claws it back into play and their strikers there in the six yard box ready to, ready to stick it in a uh, very, very, very frustrating start. Um, And yet a kind of inexplicable choice from, from Davis really, he, he kind of had started to come for the ball as well when it bounced, which seemed odd because Offord was, was there maybe could have done better himself, but uh, then started to backtrack as as the, the loop shot came in and, yeah, kind of clawed at it and, and it fell directly to their their strike and, and the worst possible start.
0: I'm glad you've uh, said that, Tom, because I know Tim is going to disagree with you and I'm I'm glad it wasn't me that, you know, made Tim bring out this response. I'm sure is going to happen now.
3: Well, yeah, I am going to disagree with Tom. I'm also going to disagree with Tom on the timing. I mean, I don't think it was four minutes in, more like four seconds. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it, it looked like a real howl alive. Um, having seen it again, I am I have revised my opinion a little bit. So, th- where I come from on this goal is Davis starts to come as as Tom said, and it to be fair, it's a great lob by the guy. Uh, is it Johnson? I'm not sure. Um, it's a, it's a perfect lob, and if that just goes over Davis and in, and he's he's caught in no man's land, as we've seen, Yaskalainen and Richards and Garrett get done hundreds of times in the past where they come halfway and get logged. No one backs an eyelid, but because he's quick and because he's big as much as anything, he's able to quickly backtrack. And I probably didn't realise quite how much at full strength he is at the time he gets back and gets a hand on that. And, you know, he, I mean, it's half a hand, if that. And I, I think... It's probably fair to say he may, maybe he could have pushed it the other way, or maybe he could have pushed it up in the air, up in the air. But he, he does brilliantly to get anything on that. He gets he gets a hand on it, and I think really he could have done with some help from his defence. I mean the fact yeah. that that young striker making his full debut or, or maybe he's played a couple of games is the first that to the ball there and and puts it in is is a bit of a joke. I mean you know we're, we're playing three centre halves. There should have been someone there first to that ball. Um, so I mean like. It wasn't a brilliant bit of goalkeeping, but I am going to give him credit for the fact that he made the initial save. And I I think, I I don't know if we're we're allowed to talk about Davis more kind of widely at this point, or you you want to save it till later on, but I kind of think that the issues that he's shown so far have been around things like positioning, about decision-making. I don't think they've really been technical, and they're the sort of things that I think will develop, um, you know, that... He, he, is a, he isn't a young. He's only played five games as a professional. And I, I kind of think, you know, when we saw it with a um, congo, you know, it it took six or seven games for his sort of positional sense and his um, his decision-making to really kick in. And then once they did, he was sound. And I think we will see the same with Davis. Um, and that first goal was a prime example, really, I think, of, you know, just a little bit more now um, to not come for the original ball and maybe... To, to to make a slightly different decision with where he pushes it. Um, I think that will come.
1: And that's completely fair. And as I say before, I think some of the other criticism so far this season has been, has been overly harsh. Um, so yeah, I'll I'll have to watch that one back, Tim, and and and, and see if I agree with you or not in, in retrospect. But yeah, there were some people behind me in the stands yesterday sort of moaning at the fact he kept playing it short, and rather than kicking it, saying, Oh, he hasn't got a, he hasn't got a right foot. Why is he not kicking it longer? I mean, he's clearly being told to play that way. He's not going to be doing that out of choice. We, we are choosing to play a certain way. And I think people are just trying to find things to find at fault with him at the moment, Um, from, from my experience.
0: From what I understand, and- that's the reason we went with him and not another goalkeeper on loan is because his distribution is the way Lieber wants to play. Um, I'm going to play devil's advocate. I'm going to ask Aaron to jump in on this uh, debate. Is he that far ahead of Tom Booth now that these developments that we're waiting for, would it not make more sense to develop our own and give Tom Booth this
4: time to settle as a first-team goalkeeper rather than doing it for Liverpool? Um, yeah, that that feels like the sort of million-pound question, I guess, because at the moment, based on I, I can only really base it on what we saw at the end of last season, but doesn't look other than other than I guess the the physical traits that I feel like to, uh, Tim brought up that that. Davis has got um, that really I don't think there's that much between the two goalkeepers at the moment Um, especially when it comes down to like I say decision making and things like that so it feels like perhaps we should be playing Tom Booth because if we're going to get these mistakes anyway then at least it'll be a player who's going to be with us I don't Is the, Is it a full season, definite full season loan that we've got Davis for? Yeah. So, you know, all right, maybe it'll be, we'll be looking at next season then, um, or something like that for, for Booth particularly, or the f- further future. But yeah, it, it, it feels like, I, I mean, it's it's another one that you could maybe say that what happens on the training ground is showing that maybe Davis is actually going to be, a, a, is better further along at the minute. But, um, but again, it feels like any mistakes at the minute, we're, we're probably better off having with our own goalkeeper rather than the, the mistakes could be learnt from for another team next year or whoever. Or oh, Tim, I mean, the other alternative is, is the the
0: wrong goalkeeper out on loan? Should we have sent Tom Booth to Scotland and uh, kept Dave Richards as our bench goalkeeper?
3: Yeah, I mean, that would make sense, wouldn't it? I mean, you would think that Tom Booth would be the one that really needs to be playing at the moment rather than sitting on a bench, whereas Richard has sat on a bench for the last 10 years. Um, but, you know, I I don't necessarily think Richard is going to play in Scotland, is he? I think he's, he's, he's there as a second choice. So if it was the same with Booth, does it make any difference if he's sitting on our bench as opposed to sitting on someone else's bench? Um, yeah, look, I, I think probably the, the reason why we've sent Richard is more financial, isn't it, than... Than anything else, I think Richards is probably on a on a bigger wage than, than Booth is. So, if um, St. Johnson or whoever it is are making a contribution towards Richards' wages, then that that probably helps the overall budget. Um, whereas I don't think it would make much difference from a financial point of view sending Booth out on loan. Um, from 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 Booth's point of view, yeah, I think he'd probably um, he'd jump at the chance. But then you know, I know Davis has been given the number one shirt. Um, and I know he is probably the confirmed number one, but I don't think it's as clear-cut as Booth doesn't have a chance of getting in the team if if Davis continues to not perform. I think Booth probably will. If if Davis throws in howler after howler week after week, I think Booth will come in. And I don't think Bell would have any issues with playing Booth. I just think we're not seeing howler after howler. We're We're seeing ones where he maybe could do better and... You know, it's 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 decision making, as I said, rather than rather than technical faults. And I think it's worth pointing out that he has made some very good saves as well. Um as well as a, a number of routine saves that he's he's dealt with very well. So you know, I I I don't have any issues with Harvey Davis being our number one at the moment.
4: I was gonna say that. That's uh gives me a chance to bring out my stat of the week that uh currently Harvey Davis has the most saves per game out of any goalkeeper in the league. So it's obviously, he's not, he's obviously not a mug or anything. You know, he's clearly making, doing a lot of work in there. So yeah, that's, uh, it, it shows that, you know, he, he has got the ability to be a decent goalkeeper.
3: And that's a very good point. The reason that he's made so many saves is that the, we've got more issues with our defence at the moment than we have with our goalkeeper. We, um our xg against is horrendous we've conceded as many goals as anyone in the league other than i think Wrexham and maybe one other um so for all that we're unbeaten we're still conceding two a game and probably should be conceding more you know uh, we've we've been quite lucky with some of the the chances that people have missed against us um so we really really need to tighten up at the back and the first thing i'm not looking i'm looking at it, it isn't the goalkeeper
0: so that was going to be my next question uh, we've played four at the back, we've played five at the back. Is it a concern, Tom, that it doesn't seem to matter how many players we have back there, we will concede two goals in every game so far, or we have conceded two goals in every game this season?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a massive concern, isn't it? And and I think Tim's absolutely right. That's not down to the goalkeeper. We're, we are not defending well, despite having clearly some talented defenders. And, and, and as you say, maybe the midfield aren't, aren't doing the job they need to do but yeah, we can't, we just can't carry on, not only the slow start, but just generally carry on conceding so many chances as well as goals. You know, um, it's it's frustrating. It, it, obviously, it's, you know, you go back to the way we used to play in some of the scorelines we used to have for, further back, further back um, and we're always known as an entertaining side to watch and what have you, because there's always going to be goals, but. Yeah, this this is frustrating to watch at the moment. the 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 nature of the goals we're giving away is is hugely frustrating. Is it not so much a question of how many players we're playing at the back, but
4: rather the players in particular we are choosing to play at the back. You know, we brought up who do you want out, Aaron? Name names. Well, I guess really you've got to say it's it's captain Luke Offord looks like the weakest link of the the centre halves that we have played. Um, You t- we talk about players going on loan to Scotland to get development. We've got Conor O'Reardon sitting there, who looks like possibly the second best centre half we've got at the minute. Because I'll I'll give that to Mickey D. I think based on performances that I've seen so far. But Conor O'Reardon looked like a fantastic. now, I know we we we're probably going to get onto him coming on as a striker uh, shortly. But um he, he does look like probably one of the better centre halves. He's got that physicality that we need. We seem to be lacking a little bit. Um and, yeah, I'd be advocating him to start a game.
3: I thought that Lee Bell got it wrong yesterday. I know we've talked about the, the line-up and, and the unchanged team. Um, We're playing a lot of games. We're playing long games, a lot of minutes. And, you know, every game we've played, the second half has been really intense, right? You know, we've had comeback after comeback after comeback. I can't understand why, when you've got positions where we have got strength and we could rotate why you wouldn't do that. Um, And I don't think it's a surprise that so many players who played really, really well on Tuesday were miles off the pace on Saturday. You know, three days later, coming off, you know, another intense game, um, the, the performance level just wasn't there. So many of our players looked mentally and physically tired, and especially in that first half, we were making stupid decisions, we were missing easy passes, we were giving the ball away. You know... Look, CBR is injured, but and you know that's one change we could have made. But you know, certainly a Raiden could have come on, come on as uh, or come in as, as Aaron says. You know, I think Holacek maybe could have come in as well. Um, and I just kind of think we're we we're, we're possibly going to get injuries if we continue just playing players week in week out. So it's important that we get ahead of that. But also, I think just just keeping players fresh, just keeping ideas fresh, you know. I think the way to do it this season with such long games is rotate little but often. So a couple of changes every week um, and just, just sort of try and give people a little bit of a rest where we can. There's going to be times in the season where we've got loads of injuries and a really threadbare squad and we can't rotate. So where we have the option to do so now, I think it makes sense to do it. And I know that seems, sounds like after timing, but I did actually say this before the game as well. So, um, yeah, I, I thought I thought Liebel got it wrong. And I don't say that very often. I don't think he has got many decisions wrong, but I did think he did on Saturday.
1: Yeah, I think the way Connor performed when he came back last season, he's got to think if we're playing three centre halves, he's, he's, he should be having a chance of getting in that team. Always difficult to drop the captain, but he, he you know, he did it last season. You know, O'Reardon played some games last season alongside McDonald, and offered, offered didn't play. So it's not like Bell is averse to doing that if, if you know, feels it's the right decision. Um, but yeah, hopefully we get to see more of Connor as the season goes on because yeah, again, you know he's a, he's a big lad, goal threat at the other end, and and is uh has shown that he can be a very very good defender, and I, I'd love to see more of him definitely. Okay,
0: I'm going to move it on quite a bit now. Uh, we'll sort of gloss over Warsaw's second because we've talked about the goalkeeper, we've talked about the defense. I don't think anyone could say that was the goalkeeper's fault enough two posts. I would say, and if you've got anything to disagree with me on, uh, then do. But if not, we'll move on. That you know, you want to look at pressing that a bit quicker and shutting that shot down and
3: the man before it who laid it off. Um, but not not just not just the shot though, Stu. I mean, I think that second goal was absolutely indicative of how we played in that first half, i.e., absolutely appalling. You look at that move, we were miles off them the whole way through. We took ages to get out to them. We were still miles off on men. Didn't react quickly enough when the ball broke. No urgency at all to keep the ball out of the net. Um, yeah, it was an appalling goal. And to be honest, an appalling performance.
0: Well, yeah, so that's where I was going to. I was going to say, after saying, you know, possibly the best uh, first or second half against Newport of the season so far, that was easily the worst. And I actually didn't really think Crew had a way into it, even up until the 60th minute and the goal, uh, Aaron. I've... I've I found myself drifting away in terms of attention because I thought, well, I'm just watching a crew defeat here. There's nothing really to keep me invested in the game. Um, But I'm going to take credit again for Elliot. I took credit for his first goal. I'm going to take credit, not for his second goal, but for the assist. Uh, I was on a Zoom call with Neil and our mum before the game. And my mum obviously seen a couple of games, including the Sunderland one. And she said her favourite sign-in, was not Jack Powell and his assists or Dimitriou and his goals. Um, it's actually Shiloh Tracy. And I said, well, that's an odd choice because he's been busy. He's not been bad, but he hasn't really affected any games. Uh, he's not done anything to change results. Um, but that ball for Nevitt's goal on uh, Saturday, a thing of beauty, wasn't
4: it, Aaron? Uh, yeah, definitely. And it's it's funny. So uh, Tim mentioned that in the game of midweek, we, we looked you know, off the pace it looked like we were passing the ball constantly to the opposition and throughout the entire I, I probably gloss over slightly because I've got the 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 Walsall game more fresh in the memory because throughout that entire first half it looked like you'd got 11 lads who'd never played together um they they couldn't find each other at all with a pass it was so frustrating to sat in the stands and constantly even even jack powell with his kind of great distribution was just distributing it straight to to walsall players constantly um so then to see an absolute peach of a pass uh, the ball played in uh weighted perfectly um I think I've watched it back about four or five times now, and it's not even like the finish is nice. You know, it's it's a good finish and everything else, but that that pass was just absolutely phenomenal by Tracy. Yeah, we'll we'll gloss over the finish because it's something that Nevitt does every
0: game for
3: us. You know. So. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, just used to it now. If you, if you look at the that goal, um, it's two touches from Tracy, two touches from Nevitt. The ball never leaves the the lush green carpet of Gresty Road. And it's five seconds from in our own half until it's in the back of the net. As you, you said, a thing of beauty, and that is the exact phrase that I use when I've been talking about that goal. Um, it is, uh, you just will you never see a better goal than that in League Two. It's absolute perfect football. I think it's important as well. The ball from Cooney
0: to Tracy, although it does leave the surface uh, that Tim's just mentioned. Um, it was another inch perfect down the line, gives Tracy enough space to run onto it and then deliver that ball. Um, I, I, As I said, before that goal, I just didn't see Crewe uh, coming back into the game. I just didn't think they'd offered anything. But as soon
1: as it's 2-1, Tom, it's obviously going to be 2-2 to finish, isn't it? Of course it is. Yeah, that's, that's just what we do now, isn't it? And yeah... Um... We looked much much better after the goals. You would expect, you know, we changed changed the formation and and Tracy out wide. Uh, as Tim alluded to earlier, looks much more effective than through the middle. And yeah, uh, it was looking really good. They were trying to play for time, and obviously, I know we probably don't want to bang on about this too much, but obviously, earlier in the season, we've had ridiculous amount of minutes added on. Yesterday, they put six minutes up when it should have been probably double that. Um, and you're thinking, oh, we're going to have enough time to to press home and, and, and get an equaliser or maybe even go for a winner. And yeah, the uh, ball goes out on the left-hand side, sort of level with the penalty area. Um, Mickey D shapes up for a long throw, actually comes back short to to Jack Powell, who uh, who swings the ball in, looks like he's crossing it in. Nobody meets it on our team. Nobody meets it on their team. And it bounces into the back of the net. And it's uh, it's an equaliser, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know... it. Uh, at the time, I probably thought, oh, we deserve that. If you look back, actually, over that first half performance and before the goal, we were dreadful. We were absolutely dreadful. So it was probably you know, a bit of robbery to to get the point out of the game. But obviously, we'll take it.
4: Feels very right. similar to sort of a few games last year. Um, the one that comes to mind was like Harrogate away and stuff like that, where we were just miles off it. And then we increased the intensity and we play out of our skins for the last 20 minutes, half an hour or something like that that and you we get an equaliser and you walk away thinking oh yeah well we've we've earned that but over the course of the game we we weren't the equal of them um particularly yesterday so yeah a little bit of a
3: a little bit of a robbery really
5: absolute thievery
3: to get a point out of that it's funny though if you look at if you look at the stats after the game I think the XG was identical for both sides I think we had more what's been defined as big chances we had more corners um we had massively more possession and, and passes. Um, but none of that correlates with the game that I saw. I mean, if they'd have been 4-0 up after, uh, you know, 55 minutes or an hour, I don't think I'd have had any complaints. Mm. Um, it seemed like it was one-way traffic until um, that brilliant goal from Neve. Um, And even after that, I didn't really feel like we were going to get back in the game. It didn't feel like we were sort of um really hammering the door down to sort of to get a point. And it, you know, even and sure you I know you're just about to mention this. I'm gonna put across your question again. Um even when we bought a Raiden on up front, it didn't really feel like we ever put him in a position where he was going to cause them any problems because we just couldn't seem to get the ball in their half. Um but I, I will give um Nevitt and, and Rio some credit for the goal because I think the reason the keeper missed it was because of their runs across it. Um I mean, it actually looked to me at the time like Adabisi purposely ducked and purposely didn't make contact with the ball, um which was a shame as I backed him to score um but yeah that that was um that it was perfect because it totally fooled the keeper
0: um right in terms of my question being about subs' wrong sub though, Tim um Aaron, we saw Charlie Finney come on. I was surprised to see him named on the bench. He came on after 65 minutes. He went off again in the 90th minute. Uh, I'm not sure. I've not seen anything yet to suggest why that was, whether it was tactical or injury. Did he look injured to you? Was that what it was that he'd gone off or was it a tactical decision?
4: Um, it was an, uh, He looked a little bit off the pace, to be honest. Um, it looked like he was sort of kind of emblematic of the rest of the team, but he was struggling to track the ball a little bit. His, his pace wasn't quite there. His distribution wasn't great. Um, So it it could have been either, really. I'm none the wiser to whether it was because he was still carrying a bit of a knock and perhaps he wasn't as fit as he felt he was, maybe, or or it was just a tactical, this isn't working, we need to change things up a little bit, and it brings him off of that. So that's a lot of words to say, I don't know, I think, really. Um, I thought it was an injury.
1: Yeah. It looked to That's me like point. he, he was checking, you know, holding his, his leg when he was on the sideline, not as he was coming off, he walked off perfectly fine. It looked like, so I was confused as well, but when he was down there sort of um, before he went and sat, sat in the stands, um, he did look like he was feeling, feeling his leg. So I think maybe it just was a little too early to, to come back potentially.
0: Well, yeah. So I'm going to finish now um, with just a couple of questions again, uh, the same ones I started with, uh, but yeah, just, mentioned, you know, Jack Powell, he has struggled to do 90 minutes so far this year. So if we're talking about fitness or injuries, it was quite good that this was the one he chose to to see out to the end of the game. Now, I've got two questions. You're all welcome to answer them. Uh, The first one is easy. On Saturday at halftime, would you have taken a draw? Yes, please. Yes,
4: yes, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Okay. second question then. After four games in the league, Three of them have been at home. Would you have taken eleventh place with one win, three draws against Mansfield, Swindon, Newport, and
4: Warsaw? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Uh, particularly pre-season, I think that it almost would have been. You'd have almost picked them. How they actually fell out as well. To be fair, that Newport would be the one that we'd beat.
1: Yeah, I think on reflection, it, it, it's a it's a decent return. I think you. you if you're being greedy, you potentially hope for, for turn one of those draws into another win. But but yeah, it, it's been a decent start, results-wise.
2: If
3: you'd have told me pre-season that we'd be sat here five games in, uh, unbeaten, and it, we'd be talking about Lee Bell's invincible crew, um, then uh, yeah, it's an actually a handoff.
0: Fortress well, Alexandra. Probably... Fortress what? Porridge uh, Bowl or F- Fortress Cereal Bowl. Okay, so it's unanimous then on the pod. Everyone's happy with the game so far. Next, we're going to turn our attention to the Bradford away game coming up. But first, a return to league action for the women's team. They were playing Blackburn Community at home on Sunday. Here's how they got on.
4: Hi, Matt. Uh, Close game today. that ended in a draw. What are your thoughts on the um, game?
2: Um... A bit of mixed feelings, really. Um, it was the conditions were, were, were bad for both sets of teams. It was really hot and humid. And as the, the game wore on, more and more individual mistakes uh, for both teams were happening. Um, so, I think we had done so well to get in front and then um, we give away a silly penalty. But, but Hannah's, you know, she, she's done really well to save that penalty. And at that point, you think we, we can... We can get the win here um, when everything seemed to be against us. But I suppose on reflection, it's a fair, it's a fair, um, fair result. Just um, a little bit deflated, but we can't allow ourselves to be too down because um, it's the first game of the season and they're a good side. Mm-hmm. Backburn's equaliser was a, a super goal. Do you think you could have done anything else to stop it? There's always something you can do to stop it. Uh, we spoke about players getting tighter in and around the middle of the park. I don't think Hannah can do anything about it, and I, and I think their player has scored, you know, an absolute worldly. So mm-hmm. sometimes you have to take that into account. But there's always something you can do. You know, we we were asking players to get tighter to their opponents, but it comes back to the answer from the previous question. Players were fatigued, and with the amount of absences we had today, we always knew it was going to be difficult. So I, I'm asking humans to be inhumane and not get tired. So yeah, we could have been tighter. We could have stopped the shot, but ultimately players are tired. Yeah.
4: Uh, like you said, so many faces um, missing today and new players in the squad. Do you see it as a point gained or two lost?
2: Um, at this stage of the season, a point gained. And, um, I probably wouldn't normally say that. Um, I don't want to be disrespectful to Blackburn. They've made some big improvements, new coaching, and they played some great football, much better than than, than much stronger side than when we played them last year. Okay. Um but I think it's important to get off the mark. We had such an awful start last season that, as deflating as it is, not to get the win, um, we we haven't lost. And that might sound a bit defeatist or a bit negative, but I'll say that through gritted teeth. Um, pro- probably, probably happy, happy that we got a point, shall we say?
4: Yeah, yeah. And then finally, it's a quick turnaround as you face Tram here midweek. What are your thoughts going into that match?
2: Um, we will need to be better. Um, We will need to move the ball quicker and and, and with more purpose. Um, Still got key players missing and key players playing out of position. Uh, I I did say that, you know, we've got these first three games, we've got a lot of absences, either through injury or um, holidays. The league started really early this year and Mm -hmm. our players are amateurs. So they're entitled to the holders and the summer holders. Um, If we can get through the... um, the first three games, I'm really confident we can have a strong season yeah. because our squad's really good this year. Um, but Tramiel will be strong. They're always strong. They're super, super team. Difficult to break down. They've had a great result against Cheadle, who uh, most people's favourites for the league this year, I'd say. So, um, see what Thursday brings. Should be a good game. They always are.
4: OK. Thanks, Matt.
2: Cheers. <laughs>
0: Okay, Tom, let's have a little look ahead then to the game at Valley Parade on Saturday. Uh, if I'm right in my thinking at the end of last season, or if the end of last season is taken into account, they will be quite up for this one.
1: You'd think so. You think the manager might be, for sure. Um, it'd be interesting to see if him and Chris Long have any uh, <laughs> any meeting of minds at uh, any point. Yeah, it was a fantastic game, wasn't it, towards the end of last season? Uh, always fantastic when we come out of the right, the right side of those types of games. But um, yeah, I think it'll be interesting. And they've not had the best of starts, have they? I think they've, they've won one, drawn one, I think, um, so far this season. Um, you know, tip to do well again this season, but I don't see any reason why we we couldn't go there and give them a, a good game. But yes, you know, we need to tighten up at the back, as we've, we've spoken about. Um, it'll be interesting to see how we approach it um given as you say we named an unchanged team last time you would hope there will be a little bit of a shake up this time to to try and address some of those issues from 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 the Warsaw game
3: i think it's interesting you know you, you look at the the wildly fluctuating levels of form from tuesday night to saturday and a number of players that had really really good games on tuesday were awful on saturday and i'm, I'm thinking you know rio williams cooney to a certain extent um even if the two midfielders um I thought Tabernot the worst game of the season on Saturday for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean I think what I'm trying to get my head around is 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 this going to be commonplace because of the numbers of games and the longer games that everyone's exhausted. So you you are gonna see this you know wildly inconsistent levels of form and it's gonna be really hard to judge. Or is Saturday's game against Warsaw just where we're at and Newport was a a one off? Um, you know the second half against Newport where we played really well was that was that a one off and actually our our level is more like you know the the Walsall game where we were pretty lucky to get away with any, with a point and I think I'm kind of leaning towards the former just because it the wildly fluctuating levels of form isn't affecting just us so I mean look at Newport they bounce back from getting gubbed by four by us by winning 3-0 at Forest Green. And the week before, they'd won 4-0 against Doncaster. So there seems to be all sorts of levels of consistency from everyone within the league. It's not just us. So I just... When it comes to predicting games like Bradford, it's really difficult because you just don't know... You know, the players that played on Saturday, they could come back to Tuesday's level of form and be absolutely flying and we'll go Bradford. Or we could put in another Warsaw-like performance and we'll get beat 4-0.
0: Aaron, are you expecting Chris Long to have a knock for this game, or is that me misreading
4: his character completely, and he's going to be well up for it? Um, no, I think he will be. Will be up for this. Surely, this is going to be. It's a it's funny one with with Chris Long. He 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 looks like a, we mentioned with Nevitt before, but he also looks like he's benefited from being in the a, a two up front kind of thing. He looks far more raring to go when he's down the middle on the last shoulder of, of a defender rather than. When he's out on the left wing, he, he looks like he's walking around half the time. He looks a little bit less interested. Um, so yeah, but if if, if so that's possibly more whether I think he's gonna be in into this game is gonna be what the tactics are and whether he's up front or whether he's out on the left wing.
0: Aaron, I'll stick with you. Uh Tom's already said, you know, they've beaten Colchester, they've drawn with Stockport, they've lost to Crawley, and Saturday they lost 3-0 at Morecambe. Uh, it's probably one of the bigger days out in terms of grounds in the league for Crew this season. What's the score going to be?
4: Um, yeah, so like like Tim said, I think it's a tough one really because with uh, everybody seems quite inconsistent at the minute. Short of Gillingham winning every game one nil, um, and then but a lot and Wrexham having about fifteen goals in a game, but um, everybody's kind of up up and down a little bit. I think we are. Uh, what a banker on your both teams to score bet slips. So I think it's gonna be, let's say positive. I'll say two one to the Alex.
1: Tom. Well, we know Elliot Neville will score, so I'll stick with that as the only goal of the game. Please, one nil. Oh, complete reversal of form and uh, experience, Tim.
3: It's a big one then getting beaten by Morkan because obviously Morkan are man- managed by Derek Adams. Um, ex. Bradford Manager, they absolutely hate the the big ground and the big crowd could actually work out to be an advantage to us if we can stop them scoring early on because they'll get restless pretty quick and they'll get on the players' backs. Um, I don't think they're particularly happy with Hughes. Um, I I just think that we could. I think our poor form could actually kind of finally catch up with us. Um. I think this time we won't come back from a poor start and we'll lose 3-0. All right. Well, we'll end it there on that downer. Um, I spoke to Gareth to
0: get the Bradford perspective on what's going on this season for them. So I'm with Gareth now. Hello, Gareth. Hi, mate. I think it's easier for you to just explain what it is that you do in terms of around Bradford City.
5: Yeah, um, I've been writing for the Witt of a Post uh, website, which is a fanzine online, for about 10, 15 years now. Um, I manage the Facebook page for them. Um, I've also done a few guest appearances on um, the West Yorkshire Sports Football Show, which is another little podcast that goes on. And I've contributed to Radio Leeds as well when they do a phone-in for uh, analysing the games at the weekend. Sometimes I'm on there. So, yeah, I've been a Bradford City fan for about 30 years now, Um, contributing to podcasts and stuff for about 15
0: Perfectly qualified then to answer my first question, which is, uh, last season, how much of a disappointment is it to find yourself start this season in League Two?
5: Yeah, it's massive, really. Um, To be honest, I don't think there was much. At the start of the season, people were quite optimistic that we had a chance of going up. But as the season progressed, uh, people were getting less and less optimistic. Um, Hughes' ball, as it's become known, was quite negative at times, sort of score a goal, sit back, try and see it out. We were struggling to break teams down at home uh, early on in the season. And then in the playoffs, we just didn't show up at all, particularly at Carlisle away. We were well beaten. Um, There's been a bit of a hangover going into this season. People not really looking forward to it um, because of that. Um, Most people, I'd say, were still behind Hughes. But, um, yeah, people hung over from last season and and not really optimistic going into the new one. And, And that sort of panned out as the season started as well, to be honest. You've
0: just mentioned Mark Hughes there. Obviously, uh, a massive name for a manager in what is the fourth division of English football. Uh, It felt a bit of a coup for Bradford when he arrived. Is that still the feeling now? Or is this a part of the fan base that's starting to
5: turn? Um, It's a bit split, to be honest. Um, There's laws that are are very sort of behind him still. Um, I think there's an element of when he came. um, It was a big marketing thing, obviously. um, Selling season tickets, got people into the stadium. Which is a big thing because obviously we sell season tickets so cheaply. Um Also, there's also he's got Premier League experience. People were sort of quite optimistic that he'd do well for us. Now, particularly after yesterday's result at Morecambe, uh, people are starting to turn a little bit. There was a few that sort of he lost a few fans at the end of last season. I think, Um, particularly in the playoffs and the way we approached it, it was sort of symptomatic of how the season had gone, with us being sort of quite negative at times, as we were mentioning before. And then the result at Carlelli lost people. They, I think. You've probably People might have seen it online. He made a sub at Carlisle away um, in the playoffs. Um, we were dominated for large parts of the first and second leg, to be honest. Um, but the minute we scored in the second leg, the guy who created the goal, he took him off and he brought a centre-back on and he went to three centre-backs. And three centre-backs hasn't worked for us at all last season. Um, and when he did it, people were like, what have you done? My friends are Carlisle fan and he was like, I couldn't believe their luck when he took the guy off who created the goal. Literally, immediately as we scored the goal, he took the guy off, brought a third centre-back on. And it was just like that was our moment. Carlisle, found, Carlisle players had sunk to their knees at the time we'd scored. Um, it was our moment to grasp the tie and sort of go and get the second goal. And he just surrendered the initiative straight away. And he lost a lot of fans because of that. Five minutes later, Carlisle went and scored again, and we were out. And that was it. And he lost fans there. And then this season, as I was mentioning before, he's gone to he he went to three centre backs a few times last season. He's changed the approach this year, and he's playing three centre backs from the start. People are happy with it. People don't think we've got the personnel to play it. We don't have ball playing centre backs. We don't have pacey centre backs. We've got big lumps of centre backs, and people are worried that it's not going to work. Um, we have also we're playing wing backs. We're playing three centre backs. We're playing like Three four, three, three centre backs, two two central midfielders, and then wing backs and sort of three up front, and the got flanked by two. We haven't got wing backs either, um, and and he's been real. People haven't been happy with it. It's been a mixed start to the season. Crawley away was poor. Um, we improved at Accuwe in the Cup. We improved at home to Colchester in the league and won that game. Stockport was a bit of a mixed bag. We looked good for 10, 15 minutes and we scored in that time period. And then they dominated us after that. It was only a matter of time before they got back into the game and equalised. Then Andy Cup missed a penalty. Andy Cup missed a one-on-one. And despite those two chances, we you would say that we were lucky to get a draw. And then yesterday at Morton, we were absolutely awful. He, um, probably the worst performance of the Hughes reign. We lost 3-0 half-time, he changed from three centre-backs and went back to 4-2-3-1, which is what we are playing last season. Uh, and we conceded two goals in the second half because the defence just look all over the place. They look like they don't know what they're doing. And that's a major problem because last year, the defence was our strong point, and he's ripped that up this year. Um, And it's causing the fans a lot of distress. I'll move on to
0: players then, Gareth. <laughs> uh, last year, if you were talking about Bradford, you were pretty much guaranteed to be talking about Andy Cook. Uh, yeah. Is that the case this season? Has the squad evolved? I did notice when I uh, looked it up, he hasn't scored yet this year. So is, it, is he a one-hit wonder or is that too far?
5: I think that's a bit too far. He's scored goals throughout his career, wherever he's been really. He had a really good record at Tranmere. I think that was in the conference and in League Two. Um, he scored goals in League One, although not, not consistently. But at League Two, he's a goal scorer. Um, the problem with Cook is when he's not scoring, he really beats himself up. So the longer that this goes on, I think it's going to become more of a problem. Like I say, he missed a penalty at Stockport and he missed a one-on-one at Stockport. Having said that, his all-round game's really good. He's assisted two of the goals that we've scored this season already. He's a handful for defenders. People don't like playing against him. They're scared of him after last season. I think it will come. I think he will start scoring again. But yeah, the longer it goes on, the more of a problem it becomes. Fortunately, we've had other players chipping in with goals this season. We've signed a guy called Alex Patterson from Harrogate. Um, Simon Weaver, his old manager, said he was the best counter-attacking midfielder in League Two, and he's kind of shown that since he's come in. He's got two really good goals through going, running beyond Cook and going one-on-one with a keeper. So hopefully, we can share the goals around, and then when Cook does start scoring, we'll we'll move up the league a little bit because we'll have more goals then.
0: Okay, so I think you've given a few indications. This you sort of talked about the formation. Uh, you've talked about how Pattinson's going to play. But what should we expect uh, from the
5: Bradford side on Saturday in terms of how they're going to play? It's difficult to to, to uh, predict really. Like I say, we we've gone to three four three with three centre backs and wing backs. Um, but yesterday when we were one 0 down at half time, he changed it Then he went back to four two three one, which is what we were playing last season. So it's difficult to say whether he'll he'll stick with four two three one or he'll, he'll revert to the three four three that the fans don't like and that's sort of been a bit shaky throughout the season so far. What we will do is use the, fans have started calling it Hughes ball, it's very patient, it's keep possession it's play out from the back and that doesn't always work, as you probably know yourselves, it can be a risk in Leeds. so I know True play good football and it can be a risk because the high press, they lose the ball the defenders aren't always good enough to play it out from the back, so we got caught the goal the goal that Colchester scored caught, um, came about with them pressing us playing it out from the back, nicking it off the goalkeeper's toe and scoring, so that could cause us problems, but um, when we do get on top, we can look good going forward. Um, we've signed a guy called Clark Adore from Barnsley, who looks very quick, very willing, scored a goal already. And like I say, Alex Patterson. The improvement going forward, unfortunately, has been counteracted by the sort of regression at the back. So it's very difficult to say what sort of prophecy you'll come up against next week. Um, like I say, yesterday we changed it and it was just appalling so um, yeah it's difficult to say we could be really good we were decent against Colchester and we were decent for spells against Stockport and Atkinson, but then yesterday we were dreadful so depending on what formation we line up as that's up in the air um, personnel I would say we'll 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 stick with obviously Lewis in goal cook up front. Smallwood's the captain he's playing in central midfield he was appalling yesterday possibly the worst worst performance he's put in um, but he'll keep he'll keep the shirt because he's the captain Um He's been playing alongside Patterson in midfield with a couple of injuries at fullback, back So that's up in the air as well. But we've um, we've got a guy called Oyigoki on loan from Brentford. He's been playing right-back. Left-back's where the injuries are. Stubbs is the centre-back. Yeah, so it's up in the air. Personnel probably won't change too much, but formation could. All right, Gareth, I've got two questions for you and then I'm going to let
0: you go. The first one, and I think the answer is you don't know, <laughs> based on the conversation we've had so far. It was going to be, is this the year Bradford get out of League Two?
5: To be honest, my personal opinion is no. I really don't think. it. Uh, we had more of a chance last year. Um, the team, the squad was good last year. I think it was good enough to go up last year. And that was on Hughes that we didn't go up. This year, we don't look the same side. We don't look quite as good. Uh, like I say, we look shaky at the back. Cook's not scored yet. Um, I also think I don't know what your opinion is as as crew supporters but I think the division's really strong this year I think they'll be isn't it I think they'll be half the league they'll be expecting to be challenging for promotion so for us to not look as good as last year no I don't think we'll get out of League 2 this year Okay. Uh, second question and final question what's the score going to be on Saturday? well Hughes needs a performance after yesterday he needs a performance and he needs a result because the fans were starting to turn for the first time in the crowd uh, people have been turning online, but not in the ground. And they did yesterday. They started to. So if we get off to a bad start, the crowd will turn at home and, and it can become very toxic very quickly at Valley Parade. Um, he needs a performance and he needs results. result. I would like to think we'll get that and we'll get at least a point. But I know that crew are unbeaten yet and you're playing quite well, aren't you? So it's going to be a really tough game for us. Yeah, um, yeah I, I'd like to sink a point of or three points. Heart says that. Head says let's let's take the draw, to be honest. Okay, Gareth, thank you for your time. You're welcome. Good to meet
0: you. Okay, I think that will do us for another pod. Um, Just a little reminder for me, if you've been on the podcast before lots and lots or once or twice, or you've never been on, but you want to have a go, then just give me a little prod. Uh, Twitter is the best place, but also, you know, Facebook groups, email us at therailwaymenpodcast at gmail.com. And we'll get you on as a panelist uh, as and when we can. Um, likewise, with our website, we're always welcoming to anyone who has an idea for an article or a series of articles. It only works if people are willing to give up their time and share their thoughts uh, and do some writing. I personally loved what the What Crew Means to Me series that we started last season so much. Uh, that this week you've got the chance to read my version of what the club means to me. I think Russ has told me it's coming out on Thursday, uh, but everyone listening to this has their own story that connects them with Kralik. So please do feel free to get in touch. Again, email address railwaymenpodcast at gmail.com. Tim, Tom and Aaron, thank you for coming on today.
1: Thanks, to you.
3: Thanks
0: for thank having you. You.
1: Take care, everyone.
0: Thank you, as ever, for listening. We will, of course, be back next week to discuss Bradford Away. So until then, goodbye.